Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Leah Walsh, and this is Rosette, the podcast. It's Leah here. Thank you for joining us with Rosette the Podcast. I'm so excited to have you with us today. And as per my promise last episode, I'm going to be talking about the 10th principle of fair trade today. Now, this is part of a series with 10 parts, and this is the 10th of 10. So that's really exciting um, and sad a little bit because it'll be over. But um, the 10th principle of fair trade as per the World Fair Trade Organization. And that principle is respect for the environment. And we're going to be talking a little bit more in depth about what that actually means within fair trade in this last installment of the 10 part series about the 10 fair trade principles uh, as set forth by the World Fair Trade Organization, the WFTO. I will probably say WFTO going forward because it's it's long otherwise. <laughs> um and I just wanted to remind you again, I am still accepting questions for the Q&A, which will be a little bit later in this, um, in the pod, like within Fair Trade Month, but later in the, in the schedule, I guess. Um, but we are taking questions for a Q&A. And those, those questions can be anything from um, questions about the fair trade system, fair trade products, it could be about owning a small business, it can be about um, any kind of social justice stuff, it can be about, um, you know, ethical trade, it can be about greenwashing, fair washing, any of that stuff. Um, If you have questions at all, please do send them in, I'm happy to answer them. And the email to send them to is podcast at rosettenetwork.com. If you would prefer to send your questions in through social media, through direct messaging, you can do that too. Um, You can find the podcast is on Instagram at uh, Rosette Network, also on Facebook at Rosette Network. And when you write Rosette, it's E-T-T-E at the end. So there's no A's there. Sometimes people put like a Rosetta or something at the end. Um, but it's a E-T-T-E. Um, and uh, yeah, you should be able to find us on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, we are on Twitter, but it's not a super active account, I've got to say. <laughs> um but uh, but yeah, you can you can find us there. And if Twitter is really the best for you, then we can check our DMs there, too. Um, but if you're just like, no, I just want to get this done and like do it by email, then the email is podcast at rosettenetwork.com. And we're going to do our best to answer all of the questions that come. <laughs> I mean, maybe not all the questions. I can't make too many promises, but we'll do our best to uh, to cover as many questions as possible in our Q&A, which is coming up in the next week or so. So today's topic is respect for the environment. And that is the 10th principle of fair trade, as the WFTO set out. And respect for the environment includes a number of things. So it can include things like the more basic ideas of what our environment is, like, for example, like soil pollution, air pollution, uh, water pollution, these types of things. Um And it can also sort of mean things that are going to be damaging to wildlife. And so there's a couple of different, um, I guess, angles that Fairtrade tries to approach environmental protection. 
this is going to be a little bit different from organization to organization. So you'll remember that when I was talking a little bit about um, certifiers and membership-based organizations that are sort of like overseeing fair trade businesses and artisans and producers and so on, that sometimes it will depend on the organization, like what principles are more emphasized. So for I think the example I gave was that Fair for Life was part of the IMO certification. So IMO started out as an organic certifier. So of course, Fair for Life is going to be really, really strict on the or sorry, on the environmental stuff, because it comes from an organic certifier. Whereas something that is um, less connected to organic certification, um, or something that is dealing a little bit less with agriculture might have a stronger focus on sort of the labor component. And the best example of that I can give is the Fair Trade Federation, where, of course, you know, environmentally friendly stuff is great for them, and they love to prioritize that. But because they're dealing largely with people who make handmade items, it's not as intimately connected to the earth as say like a cocoa producers who's like tilling the earth and so with that you might have like a preference for like recycled paper or um like biodegradable packaging or using things that are like free of synthetics or what have you um in or, or upcycling materials you see lots of like bicycle chain picture frames things like that um and you know, these things are given priority within, you know, Fair Trade Federation because the environment is important still. However, you won't have a lot of typically a lot of really strict um, standards on like what types of uh, substances can be used to like cultivate the thing that you're growing because largely people are not growing stuff under Fair Trade Federation. So um, it's a little bit yeah, it's a little bit less emphasized there. Whereas with Fairtrade International, for example, or Small Producers Symbol or Fair for Life in particular, because it came from an organic certifier originally, you're going to have a lot more focus on that on the agriculture side, because a lot of the people that they're overseeing are farmers. And so you really have to keep in mind that like what goes into the earth is going to be really important. Um, what goes into the water, what is going into the air, all of those things are really important when we're talking about farming and agriculture. So along the lines of this case-by-case idea, it's important to remember, again, when we come back to Fair Trade Federation or whatever, and maybe they do allow, um, I don't know, something like plastic packaging or something on whatever, like a case-by-case is really how we're trying to approach this. So like, is it reasonable to expect the producer to do A, B, and C in the scenario that they're in? And for the most part, there's a lot of focus on sustainability from producers, whether they're making handmade stuff or whether they're growing peanuts. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, Producers are really intimately connected to the earth often, uh, particularly agricultural producers. Um, But, you know, producers also are people like you and me, and they don't want to live in a dirty and polluted environment. And so they're doing their best. Um, And so fair trade helps them along with that, because they're able to then, you know, sometimes learn, oh, I didn't realize that was like, not a sustainable practice. Great, I'll try it this way instead. And so yeah, there's that opportunity as well. 
But in terms of agriculture, which is largely what I'm going to talk about in today's episode because of the massive focus on the environment when you're growing stuff, when you're a farmer, there are certain challenges that every crop will have. And so keeping in mind those challenges, it's then up to, you know, the the certifier to find a happy balance between what is environmentally friendly and what is possible for that particular commodity. So can bananas be grown can can they be shade grown? And we've found overwhelmingly the answer is no. Bananas do not like other plants, we found out. So unfortunately, like you'd love to be able to not have to like clear cut a field and grow only bananas there. But the sad truth is that no, like bananas really don't like other plants. <laughs> and so um, it's it's sort of trying to find the balance, you know, once you've got, okay, well, if we want bananas, what is a more sustainable way to do them and to make sure that we're, you know, make, making good decisions and encouraging producers to make those good decisions as well. And so one part of this is understanding each commodity, which commodities, for example, can be done in a way that doesn't require us to like clear cut. Coffee is a really great example of this. Coffee loves growing in the hills It just loves sort of like hillsides and it's a match made in heaven to have a coffee bush underneath a fruit tree, for example. Shade grown coffee is actually higher quality than coffee that is grown in a clear cut plantation. The reason for that is because the shade actually obscures the sun enough that the the coffee cherries will ripen a little bit more slowly. And what happens is that they actually develop a more complex flavor as a result. And so you actually get a better tasting and a more interesting tasting coffee when it is shade grown. And this makes it a premium coffee, but it also makes it more environmentally friendly because now you don't have to clear cut land. The trouble with clear cutting is that oftentimes the animal populations, in particular the birds in the area, really don't have anywhere to go. So we are talking about lots and lots of birds essentially becoming extinct in the area. And so because it really eliminates anywhere for them to be able to go. And that's a that's a problem. <laughs> that's a really big problem, especially when we think about sort of the number of animals and species that are going extinct every year because of human intervention and interference with their habitat and so on. So being able to grow coffee, for example, shade grown is absolutely amazing. It's just great, you know, and it's the kind of thing that you really want to encourage. So understanding what is possible and what isn't with a crop is a, a first step here. A second step is understanding, like, what are the things that get in the way of a crop being successful? So, like, is there going to be a failed crop? And if so, how does that happen? One of those ways is pests, and one of those ways is um, other interfering plants. Um, So that's where you have things like pesticides and herbicides that come in. With fair trade, they have sort of, like... I talked about this already with the sort of safe working conditions um, episode, but they have like a red light, yellow light, green light system. And that's designed partly for the safety of the workers, because some of these chemicals that traditionally are used on crops are actually quite dangerous for workers. I gave the example of, they used to call them pajaros, which are um, like like bird, like they they would call them, it's kind of, it's sad, I shouldn't laugh, but they would call them birds because they would turn blue. In uh, This was in, 
I think it was the 30s that they had a really, really nasty chemical these spray on bananas and the workers would actually turn blue. So they were they were called birds because they looked like the tropical birds in the area. And um, basically, yeah, and they would they would be they would have like fertility problems and there was all sorts of nasty stuff that was happening to them. So the idea of spraying a crop that is overseen by fair trade with something like that is just completely unthinkable. Like that would just not be allowed. Um, It doesn't matter if like the crop is going to fail otherwise, then the crop fails. Like there is what they call the triple bottom line in fair trade, which is the three P's, people, planet, and then profit. So people and planet come before profit. And that's important because without people and without the planet, there is no profit. There's nothing. There's none of it matters. And so if if the substance is going to be harmful for workers, it's not a situation where you just have to dress them to the nine so that they don't touch it. It's like not allowed at all. And the idea is to limit what can be in the groundwater, what can be in the soil that could, you know, interfere with anything else. You're really encouraging people to use more organic things. Um, There are different ways to deter pests, for example, that don't necessarily require any kind of spraying. Um, And it depends on the region. It depends on the crop. It depends on a million things. But those types of things are encouraged. And when it's a red light substance, it absolutely cannot be used in the growing of crop. You cannot spray really nasty chemicals that are going to hurt people or the planet. And so if you get into the the weeds and you're kind of like, oh man, like my crop isn't doing so well, there are sort of like yellow light things where you can use them in moderation, but it's like really strictly um, monitored how much you're using of it. Because if you're not using it in moderation, then it could be harmful. Um, or you can, anyway, there could be an issue somehow with that with that chemical or that substance whatever it is so you have to be careful with it and then of course there's like green light items like we we were talking last episode in capacity building we were talking about uh, compost so compost is great just stick compost on everything you want to make things grow put compost on it it's great that's totally natural it's harmless to the earth and it's it's uh yeah it's it's just a great addition to to farm or garden or what have you, those types of things are completely allowed. Um, And so you kind of come up with this system where it's like, you're trying to find the balance. Like you don't want to completely strap the the farmer where they literally can't get their crop to work, but you also don't want to be like, sure, go ahead and put poison on the ground. You know, it's, it's like trying to find that happy medium. And so that's one of the tough bits about this principle is that, There are certain things that, you know, we demand as consumers that are like difficult to do sustainable in the model modern world. So like we can't just like have these producers growing wild bananas because they're not palatable. People won't want to eat them. Um, We're used to bananas that are like the beautiful yellow bananas with like the flesh is sweet and it's got that kind of creaminess and it's got like not too starchy and it's like not got seeds in it and all of these different things. I mean, it took work to create that banana. Um, And so like, it would be cool if there were like heirloom bananas and stuff, but they're not that tasty and they don't, uh, they don't really appeal to us anymore. And so we sort of have to work within what we've, (laughs) what we've created, we create the monster. Now we have to wrangle it, I guess. (laughs) So um, yeah. And so this is just sort of, part of um 
I guess the the ecosystem of fair trade is like, how do we balance what consumers want with the environment and with producers and uh, with all of these things together, we come up with something like, let's grow these bananas organically. Let's shade grow this coffee. Let's make sure that these cocoa farmers know how to compost their their cocoa pods so that they can make compost for their for their garden for the or for their farm sorry for the next year um this is all this is all part of the environmental focus within fair trade because of course these folks are living on the land and they're affected first so if they are using chemicals that are poisoning the local water supply then it's their families too that are suffering these are not decisions that people make with you know with no thought these are unfortunately decisions that happen when people are strapped and so it comes back again to payment of a fair price so that farmers can afford to do these things is it probably more expensive to be spending money on like organic um herbicide or whatever probably yeah <laughs> you know it's probably a lot cheaper than like the chemical companies coming in and saying put this poison on your crops right so th- it's really important to make sure that you're paying that fair price and that farmers can actually make those good decisions and not have to sacrifice their own well-being or the well-being of their crops or their families. So, I mean, you could talk for forever about this principle, and I don't want to do that because I know that I've sort of, you know, these are not meant to be hour-long episodes, so I'll try to keep it pretty short and sweet. But I hope this gives a little bit of insight into sort of how we try to strike a balance within fair trade about the environmental standards and what that actually looks like in practice a little bit, you know, why it makes a difference and why it's important within fair trade and why it's important in general and why hopefully those types of standards will be implemented more broadly uh, in general in, in the production of our goods, whether they're fair trade or not. I really hope that there was something interesting in here. And if you have any questions, of course, I mean, either about this principle or if you want to send in them in for the Q&A, you can always contact us at podcast at rosettenetwork.com uh, or by DMing us through our socials. So it's always at Rosette Network. Um, and you can you can get in touch with us that way. And I'm I'm always happy to answer questions. I mean, I, I don't know everything. I make boo-boos, but, you know, I'll do my I'll do my best. And uh, yeah, but thank you for thank you for joining me today for. Oh, my gosh, it's over. It's over. (laughs) That's so sad. It's the 10th of 10. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, continuing with the podcast for the rest of Fair Trade Month. So you'll still be able to join me Monday through Friday for the rest of May. Um, And I'll be posting interviews with various people. I'll be posting, you know, discussions around different topics related to fair trade. It's just not going to be the series that we're doing right now on the 10 principles of fair trade. I really wanted to knock that out early on so that people had sort of a good basis of like, oh, okay, that's what we're talking about when we talk about fair trade. So, um, so yeah, this is the last in the series but I'll still see you tomorrow um, for a new episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, of course, because it helps us with the algorithm, helps us get in front of a few more ears. And uh, yeah, and thank you so much for joining and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye for now.